You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. What's up, Denver? We have some breaking news in the world of ADUs. Uh, Denver Council or Denver City Council on July 5th passed a bunch of updates to what can be done with zoning and ADUs in general. And we just happen to have someone in the studio today who helped work on it. Uh, he's got a really cool story before he actually helped Denver rewrite these laws. He got plugged in bigger pockets years ago, got bored, built his own ADU. Now it's a full-time design and build business for helping people build ADUs around Denver. So a great uh, podcast on ADUs today. And of course, I'm talking ADUs. I got my co-host, Stacey Rosansky. Good morning, Stacey. Morning, Chris. Happy to be here. Glad to have you here, and uh, I'm excited to have Matthew in the studio. You got the uh, you got a great guest for us today. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to Matthew. Yeah, so like I said, uh, Matthew, Bigger Pockets listener, uh-huh. got bored over COVID, built an ADU, yeah. architecture background, bunch of friends and family said, Matthew, do this for me. Now has a full time design business. So we're gonna talk uh-huh. what he did how he grew his business, got into real estate, mm-hmm. uh, what he does, and a bunch of like things everyone should know when it comes to ADUs. Yep. Glad yep. to have you here, Matthew. Yeah, yeah. Howdy, everyone. Uh, glad to be here. This is yes. exciting. Um, so actually, I, I gave you the full Matthew Crick. Sorry, I forgot. I only have yep. said your last name yet so far. So of course, all your uh, LinkedIn and details will be in the show notes. Yep. But Matthew, let's talk about your story. You're a full-time architect with 9 to 5, and you found this thing called Bigger Pockets. Right, yes, I did. Yeah, how'd you uh, come so across it? It was another architect friend of mine. Uh, he said, "Hey, you should listen to the Bigger Pockets, and we should buy a house together and flip it and do all that." And uh, uh, like a smart guy, yeah, he, he, <laughs> he was smart. And we, uh, I, I still ask him all the time for different questions. But uh, we ended up. He was my roommate at the time, and uh, I ended up getting married, and so we went a different path. And he got his own house, but uh, but uh, he did get me hooked, and I started just listening to those every day. Um, and it took me about. 300 episodes to finally do something. But uh, when COVID happened, I think like a lot of us, I was bored at home and um, find, trying to find something that fill up my time. So I started designing an accessory dwelling unit or an ADU in my backyard. They're known as like carriage houses or granny flats or casitas, or there's a lot of different names for them. But uh, um, so I started designing my backyard and my goal was to build it all myself and uh, to go and like build it for 150,000 was my initial goal. And that's what I told my wife I could do. I could, I could do it. So, what was the final cost? Uh, Two ninety eight. So I, I doubled it, but <laughs> <laughs> not got, quite. Close. Yeah, no. yeah. Um, but some things happened. You know, like uh, we had some kids in the meantime, and I, I couldn't do everything myself. Um, and so I had to hire some crews to help out with some stuff. But yeah. I, I GC to myself and I designed it myself, and I did a lot, almost all the finishes. Yeah, myself. But so, what part of town is your house in? I live in the Lincoln Park neighborhood in Denver. Okay. And so, I mean, give a couple just, you know, yeah, highlight oh, how the ADU built went and then just the setup of your house, the ADU, what you use it for. Yeah. So I, I live in a really tiny, skinny lot. It's only 25 feet wide by 125. So that's it's one of the smallest lots you can get in Denver. So trying to maximize and fit something onto that was extremely tough. I only have three feet on either side clearance. And, um, but I ended up getting 1,500 square feet. It's a two-car garage with a one-bedroom above, one-bedroom, one-bath. And uh, it's actually bigger than my house in the front, which is pretty funny. Uh, oh, wow. Because <laughs> uh, I have a one-story ranch, two-bedroom in the front. and um, So the ADU is 1,500 square foot living space? Uh, it's that 500 garage, 700 living. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it, um, 
I have a two car garage now, which is great. Before I had nothing, I had just a concrete pad back there. Yep. And um, it, it was really tough trying to stage things, trying to get materials in, and and I would never build on that skinny of a lot almost ever again. There's <laughs> it's 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 really it's really tight. But um, I learned so much from it, and um, in the process of kind of building and doing it, I had a neighbor ask me, "Hey, Matthew, can you do one for me?" And I was like, "Yeah, I can do this one on the side." And then I had another neighbor asked me, and um, I was like, oh, okay, I got two side projects going on. And um, at the time, I was still working at my firm, which was uh, Sears Atkins Rockmore, did a bunch of commercial, bigger architecture and stuff. And um, But eventually got to the point where I had three or four clients, and I could do my own thing. And I was like, it was during the time of the great resignation, and I think I followed suit with everyone else. And I was like, you know, heck with this. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to do my start my own business. And so I did. And uh, Crick Design Build was was born and um you know at i at first i was just a designer on a lot of things and uh i helped design a bunch of different uh ADUs from across the city and uh started getting into stuff like lakewood or idaho springs or kind of branching out to the whole front range and i worked with a bunch of different um gcs probably eight or ten of them you know mm-hmm. and they all range and some of them were really good and some of them I'm still very good friends with some of them were um kind of shady not the best so i I, I said like it's the way business goes. Yeah, yeah, and um, and I, I didn't always get to choose them. You know, sometimes a client had the uh, GC already picked out, or sometimes they were the GC. And um, so I, but I was thinking like I need to get something that's better for my clients. I'm going to do something that's from the first sketch to the last coat of paint. And um, that's when I decided, okay, let's let's make the full design build business. And um, uh, that's when back my my dad moved back here to Colorado, and uh, he's a great great builder. And uh, he's uh, really good at watching people on site and getting grumpy at them and if they mess something up. And uh, and so uh, him and I have been doing that now for, well, I've been doing it for almost two years. And Is he more like boots on the ground on the sites, yeah. running it, and you're... He's the site just... superintendent. Okay. And I'm more the, I definitely, I design it with the customer, but then I also am I'm the, the face for the customer and yep. help them get through all the process of, you know, getting in lending or getting... Um, different contractors on board are getting um, all the designs through permitting and stuff like that. There's, there's a lot of stuff to go through. Okay. That, um, yeah. That... So after you kind of built yours, started taking out some clients, what, what would you say is like the, you know, kind of first, if someone approaches you and says, mm-hmm. I'm ready to build an ADU, you know, what are the first steps they need to look into to kind of get that process started? Um, well, for, it, first it's your zoning, of course. Um, and you have to make sure in Denver it has a little one. Uh, at the end of it. And that pretty much cues you in if you can do an ADU. If there's other, if you're a tandem unit or row house, there's other ones like that. But um, it, it in the zoning code, it will say very quickly if you can do an accessory dwelling unit or not. Um, and then there's a lot of calculations that go into actually how big it can be and if it's actually a practical size for you. Um, you have to take into account how big your front house is and then it's a coverage requirement of how big your back house can be. Um, so in my situation, I had a small front house so I could build a big ADU in the back. But a lot of people... If they already have a garage and they have a shed and they have a big house, then they can only build a kind of tiny size ADU and it just doesn't make sense for them. Um, so you got to look at the zoning first and see what you can build. And I do like test fits with clients to say, oh, you can build a thousand square foot or you can build 800 or something like that. Um, and then it it's a two-year commitment. Um, that's what I tell all my clients. It's a, it's a big deal. It takes a lot of time. Um, you spend a lot of time with me talking back and forth about it. The design part can take anywhere from four months to six months, depending if you need to get a zoning or variance or if you're in a 
historic historic district or something like that. And then it um it takes about six months to get through permitting, which is maybe sometimes longer. Well, longest one was nine months for because Denver's was super slow. Um, and then to build, I build them as quick as eight months, but sometimes they take a year, year and a half, depending on if we have all the financing in place and if everything's going smoothly with supply chains and stuff like that. But uh, that's good to know up front for sure. Yeah. So I would just plan on two years, right? Yeah. So that's... you had mentioned uh, one thing I'm really interested to talk about is like, I'll say breaking news. I'm recording this middle of July. And so yeah. I guess about 10 days ago, I think. July 18th. Yeah. Denver <laughs> officially went into, uh, did a bunch of new zoning. Yep. And you were part of that. So tell us what it is like, because, you know, real estate is a slow moving beast. And it's always fun to have someone at the table who is at the other table. Yeah. Help them make those plans. And and this is like three years in the making to try to change these rules. I was bugging these planners for a couple of years that, hey, we should set up a committee because we are not getting enough ADUs in Denver. And um, it like to date, since the overall bigger zoning changes happened back in 2011, they only built like 600 ADUs in all of Denver. It was a very small number. Um, and you're talking Denver County, right? Yeah, Denver County. Um, if you compare it to LA, um, I've heard a stat where 40% of the new residential permits are all accessory dwelling units or something like that. No way, really? In, it was a wow. huge number because they're just so much more open. A lot of those are conversions and some of those are new builds. But when you have a built-out city, you know, there's not any new subdivisions you can build, but you can you can um, build in place and, and start filling in the pockets. So yeah, um, that's why, you know, a lot of those new new constructions were used in L.A. And it's happening all up and down the West Coast. But here in Denver, we just weren't weren't doing it. And um, my uh, biggest critique was, I think, is because it was the zoning. Um, we had a very conservative zoning code for this type of building. And though we're very progressive in other areas, this ADU was it, people were scared of it. Um, and people made rules based on that tibidness to have a backyard cottage in your backyard. And I think we've talked about it before. If it, it it's one of the most, if not the most regulated building form in the Denver zoning code mm-hmm. is the ADO. <laughs> it, it, it is. Yeah, it's it's tough. And it's one of the hardest ones to build um, per square foot. You're paying some of the highest prices because it's it's a tiny house squeezed. It has all the amenities of a big house squeezed into a tiny package. Yeah. And they're all infill properties. So you don't have a clean lot to just go out and build on. You have to really stage how you get everything in. Um, so, but with that zoning code change, um, we were we did the ADU advisory committee. Um, that was a year-long process where they had, I think, 20 different people throughout the throughout the city in different, um, different walks of life all come together and talk about how- Were we you could, on that committee? You were one of those? I was on the architecture focus group. Uh, okay. For that committee. So they, they came to the architects and asked, hey, what specific zoning code rules can we change um, to make these more uh, feasible and more practical? And they had some silly ones on there. Like um, before you had to reduce the upper story by, they call it the one half story rule, but you had to reduce it by 25%. So your upper story was smaller than, than the lower story. Like um, in total square footage or just in like in like footprint? Uh, it's either total square footage or you could slope the walls so that you had um, kind of really low sloped um, okay. roofs on the other side. It made for a weird building, it made the engineering kind of weird. And it it ended up, you had a lot less space because a lot of people put a garage on the first floor and they put the living space up above. So you could only squeeze in maybe a 400, 500 square foot apartment up there. And that's when you're looking at a price tag of over 300K, it's that's expensive. That you know? is, right. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, almost a penthouse you're building there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, you don't, 
Um, so that was one. And then another one was, um, so we got the full two stories now. We don't have to do any reductions up there. Oh, that's good. Um, a big one was also the suburban lots. Um, you couldn't really build on suburban lots. They didn't have the... What's a suburban lot? So there's urban lots, which are more downtown lots in Denver. Uh, there's urban edge, which is kind of, you're getting more into like a... Like Cap, what would Cap be Hill. second urban, tier, yeah. Yeah, so what would be like an urban neighborhood? Just, uh, Cap Hill. Cap Hill, what would be an urban edge? Uh, I'd say uh, City Park or something, or kind of getting out a little further. Okay. Congress Mont- Park. Yeah, Congress like Park. Kind of that. Okay, and then Suburban's the next ring? Like, uh, like Barnum or kind of like getting into... Montview or kind of okay. that, that's a that's more suburban one. Yeah. Okay. So I actually also helped out on the committee in that suburban context because I live in yeah. the outer edge of Denver in the suburban area. And that's okay. where like as they were discussing, you know, we want ADUs everywhere, but you know, the suburban area wasn't really built for that. And yep. so how do we fit them in? And that's because of lack, lack of alleys. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. That not having an alley kind of complicates it, but you could still totally do it a lot of other well, and it. the thing about suburban lots is they're bigger. And so they do actually do have the space for them, but it's how do you fit them on there? <laughs> it, there, there was a lot of reluctance um, for those suburban lots because the, the suburban homeowners, they were like very nimbies and they, they said, uh, <laughs> yep. no, we don't want ADUs here. We, bu- we, want we bought in the suburb, suburban want... part for a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, yeah, the nimbies came out and they uh, they fought against it for many years, but we we triumphed and we we made some new additions to Zonica where suburban lots cannot do it. And a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm still not zoned for it, uh, even though I live in this suburban lot. But this, it opens it up because you can rezone your lot in three or four months and it costs a thousand bucks in Denver. And then you're allowed to build it in a suburban lot. So what it effectively did is it opened up all the suburban communities to have a path to get there. Okay. It's still not an easy path, but it's, they can now do it. <laughs> yeah. Do but, you, um, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, is there one, you know, thing that you can pinpoint from these changes that's like would have the biggest impact for people? Uh, my favorite is they're letting duplexes build ADUs now. Um, so if you own a duplex, you can now build two ADUs in the back, making it a, oh, a quadplex. That's great. Um, that was always kind of something like, uh, historically they did it here in Denver, but then it wasn't in the rules for duplexes. But uh, So is it basically like two, is it basically like a mini duplex in the back then we can like do a duplex ADU or are they, or are they separate or does yeah, it matter? They're kind of separate. They probably have a party wall that's, um, okay. com- you know, so they're connected, but they're completely Oh, I'd so it could separate. be one building. Yeah. So it could basically be just but a mini duplex out back. Yeah, exactly. Oh, like okay. I, I have a client that he has, uh, he's on a tandem use a lot and uh, he has one one building in front. So we're going to build another building next to that, make it a duplex and then build two garages in the back with ADUs over top of it. And so, is this an investment property he has? Yeah. So he's changing that one, that one building into a fourplex um, okay. on the same lot. So this is basically, is it going to keep his like build to rent or build to sell? Do you, or do you know? I think he rents it more. That client. Um, That's really cool. But you can go either way. Um, And the duplexes are actually, if you're building the cell, you're going to get a lot more money from a duplex than you will an ADU. Yeah. Um, Great. Because you can make it. Do you you know, like, what's the rough, rough number to basically take that and build, like, essentially a fourplex? Is that a Um, million dollar project or? So for a duplex, uh, I have one client that's building each side of the duplex for 400. So, like, let's say 800. He plans to sell each side for about a million. Yeah. Um, so he's making 600 plus there. And then the ADUs, if you build a duplex, I think you could do each one for like 325 each. What about build to rent? Because it'll be lower. Oh, yeah. Being less, less, less nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean, maybe if having it as a duplex and having all those contractors kind of 
go jump around from the different buildings. Saves a lot of money. So maybe get down to 300. 300 um, per? 300 per ADU. Or so 300, 300, and then 600, or I'd say 800, 800. So um, 16 plus. So math on the air. Come on. I know. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, maybe okay. it's a one, one and a half million. Um, if you do the fourplex, I'd say it's one and a half million dollars, but then you can sell it off for somewhere in a three million dollar range. Yeah. Or if you rent it. There. Really? Yeah. It's, um, I think the biggest game changer for these things is, um, they're, when you sell them off, they're not viewed as just a, an extra bedroom. It's more like a duplex. And so you're selling each part of it duplex. And you can do kind of a la carte if you make it into a small HOA. You can... Um, so these are separately deeded then? Is it basically four, I mean, two party walls, four? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, so addresses? you could split it up. If it's a tandem lot like that, okay. I think you could do four addresses now. Oh, wow. Um, so that's been the biggest game changer. I'm excited to start designing those in Denver. And, yeah. Uh, getting those... Um, That'll, that'll be really exciting. That's what I want to personally do next um, is get a, a a tandem property and then build a duplex in front and duplex ADUs in the back and then let it rip. And then sell them off or rent it? Well, yeah, I mean, you're not going to lose either way. Um, you can... Yeah, what would you do? I'm curious. If you, yeah. did, if you did tomorrow, would you would you build to sell that or would you build to rent it? Uh, both. I would rent it for a while and uh, do, do some AD, or Airbnb and kind of get some of that principal down and then eventually sell it. Okay. But like for my, let's say my property, for instance, um, I make, after I built my ADU, it cost me 298. I get about 3000 a month from Airbnb. Um, that's after cleaning and all that. And, um, uh, how the taxes, of course. Um, so I can keep doing that and keep making $36,000 a year plus for my family, which helps me live mortgage free or we actually use it for daycare. Um, <laughs> so that's about right. It's more expensive Perfect. than my mortgage. <laughs> yep. uh, but, um, but we're also, or think about, because we have the second kid and we're thinking about selling. And uh, so I got it appraised by a few different real estate agents. And they said that by, they evaluated the ADU around 450 and I built it for 298. So you're looking at a like $150,000 ad um, right there. And so you make 150 in a year if you yeah. build an ADU. Um, and so, and then, so you can rent us for as long as you want, as long as it makes sense to you. Um for me, it, it made a lot of sense because we we had family coming into town. It's a great place oh, for yeah. to stay, and then we we let people stay there for Airbnb, and then when we're not using it, and so. Um, but now my family's grown, so we're gonna sell it. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, cool. So yeah, I think uh, you really you, you can't lose. But the biggest money maker is when you actually do sell it. Yeah. And it it's impossible to predict how much you're gonna get because there are no comps around Denver. Every every appraiser. Have you seen anyone that. take <clears throat> a big haircut? When they built it and, um, you know, I've seen some of these ADs get a little crazy and get up into like the into the 400s. Um, and maybe that's a three car garage, really nice finishes up front. And I don't think those people are, are really doing a renter grade type of situation. Yeah. They're doing like, I want the best setup for my house. And I want this, uh, I want to be able to live in here and hang out and watch Bronco games up yeah. there. It's cool stuff like that. So if those people turn around and sold it, they wouldn't make that much money um but uh if you say it happened in the middle of the fairway you'll yeah i, I think so it if, always if comes you're conscious, down to those finishes <laughs> if you're conscious of it okay. and you um find the right builder and you find uh and you also you don't have to build as big as you possibly can a lot of people just think i want to you know i have this one space i want to build but if you keep it a little bit smaller you can you can save a good amount of money and um 
keeping the design simple too. A lot of people don't realize uh, with the with the architect, like they just might let them go crazy and design whatever they want. But uh, you got to rein them in and uh, yep. say, okay, you know, maybe you don't do metal panel siding everywhere. Maybe we just do hardy board, or maybe uh, we do something. Some you can still make stucco look really nice um, if you do it well. And uh, so, I had a client. He had a separate architect. Um, it originally came in at like four hundred k. And uh, we were going we're gonna to be the GC on this project. And um, we're like, okay, we can change a lot of things and we can bring it down to like 300. Are you interested? And he's like, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't know my Arctic was doing this. I'm like, he had custom everything and uh, really expensive finishes. And um, so, but I was like, you can bring it down. To, I don't think that architect likes me very much, but um, <laughs> yeah, because I changed a lot of his design. But um, it's the way it goes. Sometimes. The client does, the client yeah. likes us. So yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, I think uh, do a lot of cost estimates as you're building too. A lot of people just, um, they think that their architect is kind of in line with what they want, but I've seen some architects just... Well, the ultimate is your own yeah. money. You always want to make sure that it's your own money that you, you know, you are spending it the way you want to. Yeah. And it's different than you're advising them or say, this is my own quarter million dollars I'm playing around with. Yeah. So I'm going to go back around to these updates to uh, the Denver zoning yep. code here. Uh, we named a couple... Any other big changes that came out of that? Uh, there was also one called a, the minimum lot size. And so, like, there was a lot. They rezoned all of Sloan's Lake, which was a, a big deal. It made news. But then, mm-hmm. actually, when they looked at it, a lot of the lots were too small to, to allow for an ADU because they didn't meet the minimum lot size. And um, it was kind of like a big oversight, I think. <laughs> um, so we were like, okay, why do we even have this minimum lot size? If you can build any lot, just go for it. You know, it's a, it's a small lot. It's slightly smaller than normal. Who cares? So we got rid of the minimum lot sizes, which opens up a ton of different properties throughout the city. Not sure why that was really there in the first place. So instead of the minimum, so you still have to meet like the coverage ratio that you were talking about earlier, but now it doesn't matter, you know, if you're on a 3,000 square foot, 6,000 square foot, whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, So any lot size you can now build. Um, Another one was they regulated your, the size of ADU per the lot size. So if you had a a 5,000 square foot lot, you could build a 800 or a thousand dollar a thousand square foot ADU but now it's they got rid of the smallest size they used to really limit you down to 600 which meant when you built that upper story it was only 400 and uh so they just they kind of struck that clean and said okay it could just be 800 minimum and then it goes up from there um okay which has helped some of my clients particularly like um so i i like i for example uh i had one client he thought he had a 50 foot wide lot um, and so we built a, we designed one, an ADU that was 800 square feet. And we found out when the survey came back, it was actually 49, uh, foot wide, which then bumped him down to the 600 curve. And he was really, he was really, uh, sad about that because <laughs> he just lost 200 square feet because his, his lot one size was off. one foot off. Oh, wow. Um, so, and so we, measure first, right. Or measure twice. Yeah. 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 But sometimes those surveyors, they might take like two months to get you a survey because they're so busy. So we, we start designing in the meantime and then we find out later. And so got to make changes, but, um, everyone's so busy. Everyone's trying to rush through it. But, um, anyway, that, that got changed. That was another big one. Um, and, uh, you could now do a balcony on the back. Um, every single client I had wanted to do a balcony that faced the mountains or something like that. Right. And, but we couldn't do it. And it was all because of, uh, somewhere in your DU, there was like a big party happening on a carriage house on the deck and these older neighbors called into the city and they got their city councilman to say no more decks on any ADU in the city. Wow. It, it was a very specific uh, council member that did it. I think it was Heinz. 
I'm not sure. Don't put me in that. But um, <laughs> it was in that area. And it was, I know it was a bunch of older people that got that pushed through. And it, that just became law because those couple people complained. And it was just so silly. Everyone loves to have a deck out there. They love to have yeah. some outdoor space. I mean, we have great weather here. Why not put a balcony? So you're now allowed to put a hundred square foot balcony. And uh, I was able to, the, the reason I was able to convince them of that is I told them a story where um, I had this like kind of crazy cracked out guy uh, in my alley. And he, I, I went to go approach him because he was sitting there for hours in his truck. And there was, there was like the this might be a little weird, but uh, there was a lady. No, we're talking of, real estate. Yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> there was a lady strung out in the back of, the, uh, of his truck. And then in the front of his truck, he had a bunch of machetes and guns and crosses. And, and I was like, this guy's all over the place. Um, so I didn't approach him. I was like, this is not safe. So I went up to my deck of my ADU and I, I looked over and made the phone call to the police. They they came and they immediately arrested him because they just see all the stuff he had in his car. And yeah. he tried running away. But um, anyway, I was like, having those porches on the back of the alley makes it that much safer. And we have, you know, we have uh, a problem of some of the people experiencing homelessness in the city. And so making our alley safer should be a concern. It should be a yep. goal for us. So that's why I was like, let's may, let us have balconies on the alley. Why not guys? Um, I know there will be some parties. Yes, but you can, um, you can have different like rental agreements or you can have, um, if you have a short-term license, you can have, take away the license if they're not, yeah. uh, playing by the rules or being well, too Well, that just seems like common sense. I mean, just because you have a balcony doesn't mean you have like wild yeah. college parties there right. every, every weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a big change. I'm I'm really cool. excited about that. Well, the- I know there is one change before it records, Stacey. You're like, it's all great, but for one thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, one, one of the changes that was on, um, you know, recommended was the owner occupancy. Um, right now, ADUs do require that the owner live on, on the site. And that, that did not get changed in this, in this round of changes, unfortunately. That, that was also my biggest disappointment um, when that happened. Like we, you don't need that rule. Um, basically what that rule says is you have to live there uh, in order if you want to rent it. Um, and so it doesn't allow landlords to come in and buy a property yeah. and then rent it out, rent both mm-hmm. and not be absentee owner. I think it comes down to that. It's, it's overregulated building form because a single family home, you can do that with, you know, nobody's, there's no qualms about it. And now Denver has all these licenses. You have to get long-term, short-term, yeah. you know, anything. So why, why is ADUs get these special treatment? Yeah. It's, it's double regulated. Right. That, that was my point too. Um, if you already had to get a short-term or a long-term license or rented, let that be the, um, the, the police or the, the enforcers of that. Right. And then you don't need to have the zoning code also mm. read it to it. It's, it's redundant. And I never um, thought about that way. Yeah. Like I understand why some people are worried about developers coming in. I know some developers that would in a pinch just start doing it, but they can't. And uh, in reality, that would probably be good for the city. It would be. Because again, uh, we're creating that more housing, different housing type and, you know, different, uh, smaller rentals, which by nature can be, lend themselves to be more affordable. Yep. And so, you know, we're for it. So we got to keep, keep on that city council. <laughs> and what I like most about ADUs is it's a, it's a quiet density uh, increase. It's not like in your face where you do a huge apartment building or something like that. You, you barely even notice these things are built when they're done. Right. Um, you, the front house still looks the same. The neighborhood character still feels the same, but then you have another apartment in the back where, a family member can stay or you can rent a low income or you can uh, uh, rent out to some, apart- 
to people going to college or something like that, you know, like, and it, it just, it's so flexible in the way you can use it, um, that it, it it's a win-win for the city. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was really disappointed when that didn't go through. I, I pushed for him to get rid of that rule. And I even wrote them in, in writing to get rid of that. And, um, right. Cause as you say, it's in the zoning code, which that's not a zoning. Yeah. It doesn't pertain to the zoning. Yeah. So that was a big disappointment. The other one was, uh, we just wanted them to rezone the whole city to allow for them. So where does this come into play? Because I know I think it was like two years ago, there was Denver Blueprint, mm-hmm. uh, which is more of a, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's more of like a 10-year or like a longer-term plan, right? Yeah. So how do these two, how does this all fit together? Yeah, so Blueprint Denver was a big change to the to the city and how we want the future of our, our city to look like. Um, it's a big multi-year, like 20-year plan. Okay. And ADUs were a big focus. I was actually part of writing that too, Five years ago, so I was, was part that of the, two years ago they got passed, approximately. Um, it was f- five I think years ago, a little bit longer. Was it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it took a it took a while. But okay, I was on the um, mayor's advisory committee, and we introduced ADUs into being into Blueprint Denver. Okay, and um, then one of the goals was to say yes, as a city, we have found that the residents of this of this city want to have ADUs, and we want to try to implement them in a smart way into the city's fabric. Um, and they didn't. They didn't say we were going to rezone everything because that was that was a little too much for people to grip with at the time. But it is um, stated as a uh, a general a vision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what that does is, so if I ever go to rezone a property, I cite the Blueprint Denver and say, this is a long-term goal of our city. Uh, therefore, our my client wants to rezone that in accordance with those um, stated views. And then since that's done... We've had almost 100% success rate with rezoning, no matter where you are in the city. Wow! Um, you, you just, yeah, you say, hey, I want this Blueprint Denver's goal. Let's let's rezone to have an ADU, and then they tack on a little one onto your property to allow you to do an ADU. Cool. Um, so a lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that when we started. Yeah. Um, like I was trying to find specific lots that allowed for ADUs, and I even gave like when my wife and I bought it, um, I gave her a map, and I said, you can only we can only buy. Properties in this map, but she hated this map because <laughs> she finds something on Zillow. I was like, "This is cute. Let's go that." And uh, like, it has cute, but it's not zoned right. And it had to crush her dreams. And uh, so we had about a lot of fights over that. But um, uh, if I if I had known that we could rezone, uh, we could have lived anywhere in Denver. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I hope you listen to that part. Actually. But uh, <laughs> but um, well, and Matthew and I yeah. met because we have a shared client. So yes. I help these clients buy. They were looking for an area where they could build an ADU. Um, they bought last summer and um, they connected. They had already known Matthew and worked with him on um, professionally. And so they connected with him to help design and build their ADU, which is at what stage? Uh, it's through Landmark. It's now into permitting. Um, In the permitting process. Yeah. So we're, we're, watch- we're following along with them to see how this uh, build process goes. Yeah. And once the, I know once that, as that gets wrapped up or close to finish line, they're going to come on and we'll document everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that would be a good one. I mean, that'll be 12 months plus probably, right? Um, It'll be two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be two years. Yeah. And actually, theirs is longer because they're in a landmark district, which is a historic overlay. Overlay, yeah. That takes an extra three or four months to get through. It's, um, it's a pain in the ass. It, but, uh, <laughs> it, it does... Uh, sorry, I will retract some of that. It does help... Um, to make a better quality building, I think that fits into the neighborhood yeah, a little more. Sure. But um, it's hard because you have um, different reviewers that um, come in and judge your building based on seeing it for 
three minutes. Mm-hmm. And they think they're they're the designers and they know the site better than you and they know your their clients' needs and all that. So they um it, and it's a very uh um it's kind of their judgmental, it's kind of their tastes get involved. And then you just have a lot of designers all coming to the table to build this ADU, and that's never too many chefs in the kitchen. You're- it, yeah. You're the most polite person I've ever, I've ever heard talk about going through that type of review. Boy, uh, these are heard much more, uh, less happy comments yeah. towards it, much I more could, frustrated comments on I, there. I could say more colorful things. But I, but just I, part of the process. I, mean, I see both thing. sides. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they have their job. They want to keep it, you know, certain. That's just part of the process. Another three or four months. It is what it is. No big deal. It's just yeah. kind of, you got to go on that expectation. Yeah. Um, Cool. So uh, as we wrap up here, like what's a good way for people to get in touch with you and what exactly do you offer services? Because a lot of people want to do ADUs, build ADUs. I would just say, let's clearly map it out like what you can do for people. Yeah. Um, So best way, my website is uh, crickdb.com. It's K-R-I-C-K-D-B.com. Or you can find me on Instagram um, at crickdesignbuild. Or I started TikTok recently. I don't do any dance videos, but I, I just do uh, my drawings. You have to be on some top ADs, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get, get you know, be with the cool kids and do the TikTok. So I have like five posts, I think. But um, then, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn too for Matthew Crick. So I got yeah. a few different ways. And um, But what we do offer is uh, from start to finish uh, service for building really anything residential. I, I don't just limit myself to ADUs. I, I know we're talking about that today, but... Uh, I, I try to say that from the first sketch to the last coat of paint, we're your guys, and we can help you get through the entire process. And um, I, I first started doing this as an architect, um, you know, designing and doing that. And I hooked up a lot of GCs that um, some were some were really good. Some of them I'm very good friends with still, but some of them were just shady and out there to take as much money as they could from them. Um, so I, I wanted to talk about the cost plus thing real quick. But, Let's uh, talk about that because that was one of the notes here said was just you know. Uh, just in construction in general or any, yeah. or any major any major rehab projects, mm-hmm. basically don't do a lump sum payment up front, like a full lump sum payment up front. Yeah. Why? I mean, so let's say uh, the GC comes to you and says, I can build it for 300K. And you're like, oh, 300K is pretty good. It's below where my budget was. But in reality, when you start seeing their budgets, it's really coming in at like 200 and they're keeping an extra 100. And so they have some contingency and they have to inflate it because... In case something goes wrong uh, and they have to redo some work or change order comes, they have to account for that. So they automatically uh, push up your price a little bit just based on that. Um, but then as you're going through the building process, they're going to try to find the cheapest contractor to do every single trade that they can find. And that's that's their goal, to find the cheapest guy that's flooring, the cheapest framer, the cheapest. And um, and then they just try to skirt by with you know the least amount of changes or things that a homeowner can see. And uh, I, as an architect, I've come on site and be like, uh, you guys didn't pour the right foundation or you guys didn't put the right insulation in these walls or you didn't um, do the right finishes at all. You you just, did you go to Home Depot and do that? Or is this specific? You're supposed to do this. And um, and like, well, the client approved it. it so, or something like that. But um, it gets to be kind of, kind of sketchy because they're almost like embezzling money from you. Well, they and don't have an incentive to do the right thing because they're like, right. well, this is all I'm getting paid no matter what. Yeah. So it doesn't really align with what you know it doesn't yeah. the homeowner yeah, that's what 90 percent of them are it's a lump sum type of thing so but there's like a, there's a cost plus method which is getting more popular um in the in the construction industry and that's it's kind of like your same way as a real estate agent where you get a certain amount of 
uh, percentage of the overall cost. Um, so when you're building, um, like when we do a cost plus, we show them all the the quotes that we get from our contractors. And, and like, for example, if you have a framer, that framer could come in at, um, we might have one that comes in at 12,000, another one comes in at 20, or we might have one framer comes in at 40. Like it could be a huge span. And that, that guy that's charging 40, he can might maybe do it in two weeks and knock it out because he has a crew of 20 people. Whether the other guy who's only charging 12 might be a guy that's working out his pickup truck and might take two months or more and, and you don't really know what his backgrounds are. So we let the clients go through that and say, do you want the really expensive guy? Do you want middle of the road or most expensive? And um, most of the time they choose the cheapest still because it's, <laughs> it's their money. And, um, and it's our job to try to find those options for them. But there's other times where you want to spend... Like if I can vouch for a, a contractor and say, hey, this electrician's really good. I recommend him over all the other ones. Like he, even if he messes up, he'll fix it, you know? And um, a, a lot of clients listen to me when that, when that comes up and say, okay, we trust oh, you. So. We trust I them. hope they would. And, right. um, and so that, that can go a long way. And then also you can pick all your finishes and stuff like that. So you get to see a whole spreadsheet of what everything costs per item. And then um, you, you can also help. What, what I like about it is like, I can change this design to be cheaper for you. Like I had one that, that, um, that project that we have uh, with the structural engineers on Pearl street. Um, they, it came in too high, uh, because of some of the, the landmark changes, some of the historic stuff that we had. And, um, and so we're changing the design. We're making it cheaper for them. And because I'm the architect and the builder, I have that leverage where I can, you know, I can take out a hundred K from a project if I need to, if I, I'll find different ways we can find. So, um, and uh, because normally when, when you have a GC and an architect, they're almost always at odds with each other. They're, they have two different missions, two different uh, ideas. Like the architect wants to build the prettiest, the coolest thing that's going to, you know, set them up to be trending to get other projects. The GC wants to build the, the cheapest thing that they can get by with, but also still get new clients and stuff like that. But they're trying to capture as much money to the building process as possible. Mm -hmm. And the architect's kind of just as a fixed rate that they do and they so they're naturally not going to see eye to eye when it comes to costs um so combining the two that was always a, a dream of mine uh to do the design build and now you can do that crick design build i take it right yep that's exactly yeah. what you do that so you got matthew crick and ken crick and uh we're yeah we'll we lead you all the way through and we have a few other people that help us too now but um because we've expanded but um we're expanding so if you actually if you know any other architects we're looking uh <laughs> We got a lot of business, so um, there are a few listening great, to podcasting. Great to know, yeah. 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 So awesome. Well, Matthew, this was great having you in. Yeah. We appreciate you thank taking you. time out of. Uh, I know how it is running a business with little ones at home. So thank you, yeah. <laughs> um, and congrats on the journey on starting your own firm. That is amazing. Love yeah. hearing the the success stories and yeah. people going to real estate full time. So. Uh, we'll have you back in the future. And as we do uh, the mutual clients, we should definitely like a video walkthrough of that because that'd be really cool to see. Yeah. Um, if you guys have any questions, reach out to Matthew. All the contact details and show notes. Yep. Um, so Stacy, again, thank you for coasting. Thanks, Chris. All right, yep. everyone out there, you guys have any questions, comments, you know the drill, reach out or post them in the comments. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.